When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Coming up on Squats and Margaritas. We believe what society has tried to reinforce for us constantly, which is these messages that we're not good enough, that we're not smart enough, that we can't do that, that that's not possible, that that's a pipe dream. Don't quit your day job, right? Like it's literally built into our language. It's built into the movies you watch, all of this pop culture that we experience and consume. And so I think we have to actively place different thoughts in our minds, right? And now it's changing. So many more people are following their dreams, trying new things, becoming entrepreneurs, right? But I think it's very important that we change the mantra in our head. So if the mantra in your head is like this dream that you have, we don't, we're scared to even dream in the first place. We're scared mm-hmm. to dream. Yeah. And then once we do have a dream, we're scared to say it out loud and to name it. We're scared to act on it, right? If we won't even admit it to anybody else, how are we going to act on it, right? So, you know, all those, whenever I see those like memes or those like quotes about like, you know, act in secret or like, you know, like don't tell anybody about, you know, just like work on it and then pow, you know, like come out with it. And I'm like, I don't think it actually works that way. I think the way that it works is you need a community of people supporting you and saying, yes, you got this cheering you on, um, believing in you, reinforcing to you that you can do it. Because even if you believe to on Monday by Thursday, you're like, this ain't going to happen. This is going to be too hard. It's not going to work. Right. <laughs> and you know, it's like, you need people to be like, no, we're not doing that. We're not giving into those thoughts. So I think community is very important, but I also think reframing those thoughts, like I'm never going to be able to do this. Don't say that. Like no. this is challenging and I can still do it. Right. Just yes. change the language. Hey, senorita, really nice to meet you. Have some tequila and stay. This week on Squats and Margaritas, it's Rachel Rogers, founder of Hello7, a multi-million dollar company that teaches women how to earn more money and build wealth. She's a podcast host, a keynote speaker, and the author of We Should All Be Millionaires, A Woman's Guide to Earning More, Building Wealth, and Gaining Economic Power. And she has four kids. Talk about mompreneur goals. I want to know how she balances all the things. I want to talk about building wealth, how being wealthy doesn't have to look like an old white male in a suit. We can all be millionaires. I want to get into her story, what she does now to empower and inspire other women, especially in marginalized and underrepresented communities. Please hit subscribe wherever you're listening to this episode. That way you'll get an alert every time a new Squats and Margaritas drops. It would help me so much if you could take two seconds to leave me a review for Squats and Margaritas on Apple Podcasts. Here is my episode with Rachel Rogers. I want to start by saying I found you because I did American Sesh with Pinky. And I went on right before we went in. I was like, let me just see what Pinky's about. Like, I'm going to listen to her on some podcasts. And of all the podcasts that she did, I clicked on yours, um, Hello7. And that's how I found you. And I was like, oh, I love this girl. Reached out to you. And now here we are. (laughs) Amazing. I I love it. Most people found you. Well, I'm not, I mean, you had a following, but you had a very viral post um, during the George Floyd um, situation. Can you talk about what you shared and what came from that? Cause it's powerful. 
Yeah. So that actually that video was meant to be for like friends on Facebook, you know? So I just went live to express anger because I just had a lot of pent up raginess and I couldn't I was trying not to express myself like I was trying to just let it go. But I couldn't, you know, when something's nagging you and you're just like, you know what, let me just get this out, Uh you know, (laughs) then I'll be able to move on with my day. Um, and so one of what I saw was a lot of business owners, uh, white business owners in particular, um, that were that, you know, clearly have plenty of black customers and clients take thousands of dollars from those customers on a regular basis. And then when they were expressing their sadness about what was going on with George Floyd and just, you know, expressing what it feels like to be black in America in those communities, they were told to be quiet because those, those same entrepreneurs also take money from Trump supporters and people who are racist Mm -hmm. actively. So, and you know, less obviously so, but still racist. Right. (laughs) So, and they wanted to protect their money, right. That was their priority is keep the peace in the community, protect their money and silence these black people in the process. And so I saw it spilling out from one of those groups Um, and so it just enraged me and I knew that I had enough of an audience to, um, say something and to speak up on their behalf because they, they didn't have a big following. Right. And so I had a bigger following and felt like, okay, I can reach my peers. Right. Um, and so that's what I did and that's what it was meant to address. It was very raw. It was not pretty. (laughs) I know you were like, if I knew um, I was going to be viral, I would have put on a bra. <laughs> exact. Correct. <laughs> you never know which one's going to go. <laughs> well, honestly, I think the ones that go viral are the ones that speak to truth, right? Yes. Like yes. that are just transparent people, I think, respond to vulnerability, honesty. Um, and it did feel vulnerable to call out, you know, well-known entrepreneurs, but they needed to be called out. Yes. And I did see change happen as a result of that. Now, is it all better? No, it's not all better. And honestly, some of these people are going to, you know, do things to satisfy the optics, right? And then go back to being the same people that they were before. Um, But hopefully some people will change. And I mean, I got my own publisher. This was before my book came out. So my publisher, um, which is HarperCollins, the head of publishing at HarperCollins Leadership messaged me and said, I saw the video and I I hear you loud and clear. And so people in real estate offices and people in all kinds of businesses were like, you know what? These are excellent points. Um, Mm -hmm. So it's like, you don't get to, uh, to my point was, you don't get to accept our money and just not care about us as as people. And one of the things that I said was like, y'all get more upset about dogs dying, right? Than black people dying in the streets. Mm -hmm. And it's the truth. Yeah. So I was incredibly ragey (laughs) and and emotional and just needed to get that out. And, you know, I hope some, I hope some good came out of it. And, you know, that's what my work is about. It's just uh, it's about um, giving voice and power to people who are typically disempowered and who are systemically disempowered in our society. And so that's what Hello 7 does. Like, I'm here to put money in the hands of people who typically are not the benefits of capitalism. Right. And who typically are left out of all of these opportunities to create wealth. So I figured out how to do it for myself. And so now I'm trying to help other people do it as well. Yes. And putting a face to it that a millionaire is not an old white man in a suit that we can all be millionaires. And um, specifically speaking for myself, my daughter is biracial. So just I want her to see that she can do whatever she wants. And as a white woman, it's so tricky because I am so aware of my white privilege. And I feel like, well, I can't speak on it because... 
I'm white. So I, I can't speak on, it. I'm not supposed to speak on it because I don't get it. But then if you don't speak on it, it's like your silence is deafening and not speaking on it. It's just like allowing mm-hmm. it to continue. So it's such a, like a tricky thing. What I ended up doing. And when the George Floyd situation was happening, I wrote a piece that was, I think it was called, I'm not black, but my person is. And I've been with my husband for 18 years and I have a unique perspective of seeing firsthand what has happened to him, what he has Mm -hmm. dealt with and acknowledging my white privilege. Like I know that I am white and I have privileges that, that afford me to not maybe be able to speak on these things, but also I love this person and my person is black and I have seen it. So I did speak it and I hit post and I was like, I was waiting for people to be like, you have no idea. You can't, you're a white woman. Like you're going to speak on racism, but if you don't, you're just like your silence is deafening. Like, and I've heard you say that before. It's like, you're just allowing it to continue to happen if white women or or men don't speak up and say something. And I feel like sometimes you feel like you can't because you're aware of your white privilege. No, I think, why aren't we all talking about racism, yes. right? Like, why aren't yes. we all talking about it and pointing it out when we see it? And, you know, sometimes like I'll get in an Uber in a town and somebody will be talking about a certain people group It could be, you know, people they refer like immigrants or, you know, just whatever. And they think because I'm not of that group that I'm going to co-sign. And I'm like, (laughs) "Uh, no, sir. No, 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 no. (laughs) And I shut it down. Right. And I mean, I can't tell you how many times that has happened to me. And I'm like, am I a magnet for this? These conversations? (laughs) Because I mean, I get an Uber tired from getting off a plane or whatever, trying to get home. And then I'm like, well, now I got to school this dude. Here we go um, again. <laughs> exactly. And that's what it is to me. That's the okay. work, right? Like I'm going to check it everywhere. I experience it um, wherever humanly possible. Right. Because there are times where I'm just too tired. Right. And I'm like, that's gotta be somebody else's fight. And that is the point. Black yeah. women are tired. Right. Yeah. Um, so I think it's important that white women speak up in my own company. Right. Like we have, you know, we have a lot of black people who work at my company. We have a lot of white people. We have a lot of people of color who work at my company. And when we've seen, you know, um, a white woman who is on the leadership team, who is, you know, acting in a way that is very um, using her white privilege, not not. Yeah. And and maybe she's not aware of it, yes. but we're going to make her aware. Right? <laughs> right. And so and I'm not the one to do it. It's the president of my company who is a white woman who's like, I'm going to go check her. Right. And that's yeah. that's what it is. Right. Like, yeah. I, I'm not checking every white woman in the world. Right. Like y'all check each other. Right. <laughs> we tired. It just allow like saying you can speak on it. It like you're you're not like, I don't know. It's like, I want to say like, you're not, not allowed to speak on it, but I see why you wouldn't be able to like, you sit down. Like you're a well, white woman. It's if you hard. think about it, it's tricky. <laughs> if you think about it, when we say I'm scared to speak out, what it's really about is like fear of what other people are going to say to us. Yeah. And I think that can't be more important than speaking about what's right. Right. So like, yeah. I'm going to speak out about what's right and let the chips fall where they may. And if my business is destroyed or somebody comes for me because I'm speaking out, let it be. Right. Like that's what needs to happen, because I feel conviction that I have to do what's right, regardless of what the circumstances are, what the consequences may be. And I think when you operate that way, you just feel peace. Right. When you when you squash yourself or you silence yourself for the sake of I don't want these negative outcomes to happen. So I'm going to just stay safe and be quiet. We're we're part of the problem. We're continuing the problem to happen if we don't speak up, if we're never willing to lose anything. And that's what it means to be anti-racist. It's not a passive thing. It costs you something, right? In a society fueled by racism, it costs you something to be anti-racist. And if we all do it together, right, 
then we start to see change. And I think we are seeing change. Not enough. Certainly not fast enough. Um, But we are starting to see some. Right. At least when I was growing up, nobody talked about racism publicly. Right. This was not public discourse. We didn't talk about it at work. We didn't. We certainly weren't talking about it on radio shows. Right. (laughs) Like we were not talking about it in public discourse. Now, I think people feel a lot more free to speak about it. And it's become something that we're going to talk about every day, all the time. And I think that in and of itself is progress, even however slow and irritatingly slow and devastatingly slow that it is, at least it's starting to move. And I think it requires us to constantly speak up and to speak up even when it costs us something, you know, even if I got to get kicked out of my Uber now and now I got to figure out how the hell I'm getting it to get another one, I'm shutting it down. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And I love how you just said, like, you're on the right side of it, just speaking on what is right. And it's not so much like worried that you'll lose something. For me, it's like, I know that I realize, I think when you just acknowledge I have white privilege, I understand that what I'm saying, I don't completely, I can't completely relate because it has not happened to me, but saying that, acknowledging it, but I still feel that this is wrong. And I, like, I think being afraid that someone is going to view you as just being a, like, white privilege, you don't get it person. That's why some people don't say it, but you're like, just say it at whatever cost, let somebody call you that. And that's mm-hmm. the only way that it's going to bring change. Yeah. And I think you get more confident speaking on it when you educate yourself, right? Like Tim Wise is a white man who is an expert on racism in America in particular. And he speaks on it on a regular basis. And a lot of people following follow him. A lot of black people follow him. Right. Um, and, you know, I think he feels comfortable speaking because he's really educated himself on it. So yeah. he has more confidence to speak up about it. And so I think, you know, with anything, when we're starting anything new, it requires courage in the beginning. And then yeah. we we do it more often and then we have experience and then we, we build confidence. Right. And somebody right. might say, you know what? I appreciate you speaking out. However, what you may not realize is X, Y, Z is wrong in your statement. And you could say, you know what? Thank you. You've given me something to think about. I'm going to go read up on that. I'm going to go try and understand that. Thank you for letting me know. Right. Like I think sometimes the worst part is when people get defensive because it's all about ego. It's not actually about solving the problem. No, it's about my ego needs to feel good and I can't possibly be wrong publicly. Yes, you can. Okay. (laughs) We all can be wrong publicly. And it ain't the end of the, yes, it's not the end of the world. It's when people get defensive and dig in, that's when they get canceled, right? That's when there's a big fight over it. Right. And they only attract more people piling on. Um, but when you're willing and open to learn, I think uh, people are willing to teach, you know, and people are willing to give some grace when you show that you actually care enough to humble yourself. More squats and margaritas in a moment. Now this. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. Now back to squats and margaritas. I want to go back to the beginning. Um, everybody sees what you're doing now. Um, growing up, you could say finances weren't consistent. Yes. We, I lived in a low income household. Like there were times where things were okay. And there was long stretches where it really was not okay. 
Um, and you know, we had our lights go out. We had times where we didn't really have any food in the house and my parents both worked, but it was just like trying to keep a job and make enough for the living expenses and all of the things with two kids was really challenging and they would lose, they would get laid off when the economy was bad. Um, and then, you know, they would be in between jobs or they used to have a good job. Now they got a bad job. That's not paying very well. Right. So it's just, there was a lot of ups and downs and there was a lot of turnover in their, uh, careers. Um, and all of that led to, you know, financial distress. And of course, you know, it's all systemic. It's designed this way. Right. And my, my mother's white, by the way, my father's black. So I grew up, you know, I am biracial as well. That's my daughter. Um, my daughter, similar to your daughter. And I think it's so interesting. There are, there are, um, some activists, right. That were, um, and well-known that were, um, biracial. And I think sometimes when you have, proximity to whiteness and you are a black person and experience what it means to be black. The dichotomy is so in front of your face. You can't ignore it. You can't not speak about it. Um, It is just, and it's not like other black people don't know, but it's just when you see the inner workings of a white household, like going to my aunt's house for holidays and seeing what that looked like versus going to my other aunt's house on the black side and seeing how that looked. Right. Um, And just being like, why is that actually like, why are they, so financially well off and they are so not and grappling with issues that over here they never have to deal with right why is that you start to ask that question even as a very young child before you even have the language of what is racism right um and so it becomes crystal clear and i mean i've experienced i've watched my father experience racism i've witnessed so many different things and my father um got pulled over when i was a kid uh sorry when i was yes a baby because he was in the car with my mother, who's a white woman, and cops pulled him over to say to ask her if she was in distress. Wow. And she's like, no, this is my husband and this is my child. The hell are you talking about? Yeah. Uh, oh you know, God. this is kind of the things that they experienced. But anyway, yes, we were low income. And I think seeing that, I was like, okay, so money. That's a thing I need to understand. That's yeah. the thing I need to know how to get because that seemed to be the solution to all of the problems, right? Like the electricity guy will come to our door and turn off our lights. Mm -hmm. If we had money to pay the bill, right. We'd have food in the fridge all the time, not just some of the time if we had money. So it just became clear to me, I needed to learn how to make money. And then I also saw that there was a connection between doing well in school, getting a good job and making money. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to go down that path. I'm going to do well in school because academics is something I'm good at. Um, and I'm going to figure out how to make money. So that was a priority to me, even as a kid, because of just what I saw in my household. But that probably drove you to be the millionaire that you are, because had you had like this cushy, like middle-class upbringing, I wonder if you'd be as driven to be like, I'm not, I don't want this. I'm out. Like I'm going to apply myself that, that set you up. I feel like yes. to, to be what you are now. And like, had you had a different lifestyle, like maybe you wouldn't have had the drive to build what you've built. 100. I think that's true. And there's actually research that I was just reading about recently. I haven't really dug into it yet, but it was talking about how there's a certain level of trauma in your childhood and it's certain types of trauma. Like it's like um, there's certain types of trauma that leads to like addiction and all kinds of things that that can be really detrimental. But if there's a certain type um, like a medium type of trauma, yeah. then there it drives you, right? Yeah. Like yeah. it it's it basically you become very like a very high achiever with that level of trauma. And it's so interesting. 
I, I haven't really done a lot of research, but clearly, right? Like when you experience this kind of insecurity and that's why when people are like, I don't care about money, money's not important. I'm like, okay, well that tells me that you clearly you have never worried about where your next <laughs> meal is coming from. Cause if you have, trust me, you are crystal clear that money actually is important and it's not the money that matters the most. It's what you can do with the money. It's yes. the freedom, the community, the way you could take care of your family and yourself. Um, all so of that is generations in your family, like well, yeah. so yes. reduce stress in your own life. Right. Yes. Like all of that, like being a mother, for example, money, like when I had my third child, I had a night nurse and I had yes. uh, childcare and I had a chef, right? Like I had things that made it so much easier um, versus, you know, with my first and second, we had none of that. You know, mm -hmm. like it was all just it was all on us. So having being able to have help, all kinds of things, obviously, that can make your life better um, can happen when you have a certain amount of money. So clearly money is important. And then you go to law school and you like negotiate your financial aid and get in <laughs> and you were hustling from college. And then you come out of law school and I know you uh, clerk for a judge, but then you were like, instead of going to a law firm, you created your own. Why do that? Like, talk about that. Well, because law school was a traumatizing experience, honestly. Um, yeah. I went to a school where I was one of the very few, like very few black people. I was a part of BALSA, which was the, the National Black Law Students Association. And so I was able to go to like events and be involved in an organization where I got to see a lot of other black law students, but that was not my daily. My daily was being at a law school where, you know, 90% of the student body um, was white. So there's not a lot of diversity. And because I was one of the few black students, I became the poster child for the school. And I didn't realize this at first. I was like mm. honored when they'd ask to like take my photo or include me in a brochure or something like that. And wow. then I started to see those pictures everywhere, right? Like in all of the marketing materials on the website, blown up photos, literally in the hallways of the law school. And I was like, oh, yeah. I'm the poster child, literally. <laughs> literally. You're on the poster. <laughs> yes. Oh God. <laughs> right. But anyway, so I, I also just found it to be, um, I don't know, lawyers. It's a, it, it's a industry that's rife with issues clearly by the fact that, you know, so many, the, the percentages of lawyers that have substance abuse addictions. Right. Uh -huh. And like, it's just, it's a, not a sustainable career in a lot of ways. I hope it's becoming more sustainable. Um, so you know, I had that experience um, dealing with lawyers, having internships, clerkships, all those things. My The judge that I worked for was amazing. Yeah. Um, judge Farber was incredible. And that was probably the best job I was ever going to have in the legal industry. And I think it was because that job was so great and because the other options just look so terrible. You know what I mean? Like yes. Working at a firm where I was hearing horror stories about people, partners yelling at associates, working a hundred plus hours a week, like just completely unhealthy lifestyle. And so I was like, yeah, no, I'm going to try. <laughs> and I, but money was still important to me. Right. And yes. so I was like, I don't want to work at one of these big firms where you make a lot of money, but the trade-off is too high. Yep. So what's my alternative? And it was like, the alternative was like government work or nonprofit work where there was not enough money to pay back my student loans. And so I was like, all right, I'm just going to try going solo and see what happens there. And I just became obsessed with the idea. So I studied it for a year and then started my own practice. And I did that for like six or seven years, um, which was great. But I discovered that I enjoyed running a business a whole lot more than I enjoyed practicing law. So that's wow. how I got to where I am today. I think that like 
women would have the thought like, well, I don't want to work for this person. I'm going to start my own business, but it's so daunting. Like let's talk about limiting beliefs and broke ass mentality, because if you're telling yourself that you could never do that, or you're not like hyping yourself up every day and living with broke ass thoughts instead of rich thoughts, like what does that do to you? And how does that like kind of dull, you know, what you are able to achieve, how you're talking to yourself and how you're thinking? Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of people, especially people who have been historically excluded from wealth building opportunities, right? Like we, we believe what society has tried to reinforce for us constantly, which is these messages that we're not good enough, that we're not smart enough, that we can't do that, that that's not possible, that that's a pipe dream. Don't quit your day job, right? Like it's literally built into our language. It's built into the movies you watch, all of this pop culture that we experience and consume. And so I think we have to actively place different thoughts in our minds. Right. And now it's changing. So many more people are following their dreams, trying new things, becoming entrepreneurs. Right. So I think there's a lot more now than there was certainly 13 years ago when I started. Um, But I think it's very important that we change the mantra in our head. So if the mantra in your head is like this dream that you have, we don't, we're scared to even dream in the first place. We're scared Mm -hmm. to dream. And then once we do have a dream, we're scared to say it out loud and to name it. We're scared to, act on it, right? If we won't even admit it to anybody else, how are we going to act on it? Right. So, you know, all those, whenever I see those like memes or those like quotes about like, you know, act in secret or like, you know, like don't tell anybody about, you know, just like work on it and then pow, you know, like come out with it. And I'm like, I don't think it actually works that way. I think the way that it works is you need a community of people supporting you and saying, yes, you got this cheering you on, um, believing in you, reinforcing to you that you can do it. Because even if you believe to on Monday by Thursday, you're like, this ain't going to happen. I mean, literally it happens to me. It happened to me this week. I had a call with my best friend. I think it was on Saturday or Sunday where we were like talking about like just uh, solutions to business problems. And I had this idea and I shared it with him and he was like, that's a great idea. And I wrote it all down. I was so hype about it. And literally by like later in the week, I was like, this is going to be too hard. It's not going to work. Right. <laughs> and you know, it's like, you need people to be like, no, we're not doing that. We're not giving into those thoughts. So I think community is very important, but I also think reframing those thoughts, like I'm never going to be able to do this. Don't say that. Like, no. this is challenging and I can still do it. Right. Just yes. change the language. It doesn't have to be so, I feel like we're very dramatic in our heads, right? <laughs> like there's so yeah. much drama and it's always like, it's going to be a catastrophe. This is a shit show, right? Like we use so much language that is so dramatic and everything is going to go bad. Right. Yeah. And so I think talking to ourselves and be- in a way that's like believing in ourselves yes. is very important. I used to have a very mean girl in my head. And then I just started practicing this, like changing the thoughts and literally write down what I say to myself all the time. Yes. Like, you look ugly or your hair's a mess or you look fat or, you know, whatever, just all kinds of yes. things that were meant to hurt my feelings. Right. Yes. Um, Punish and, yourself. Yeah. Yes. And changing the thoughts in my head. Right. Yes. And, and reframing those, that language. And this one day I woke up and I'm like, wow, I don't talk to myself like that anymore. You change the like, neural pathways in your brain to like believe what you've conditioned it to believe. I'm so glad you said that. I was obviously not planning to get into any of this, but I speak on that. I have a foundation for teen girls struggling with body image and self-worth. I struggled for 15 years with bulimia, anorexia, having no Mm -hmm. self-worth. And now raising, I have a son and a daughter, but more specifically, I look at my daughter and I will not let her struggle like I did. 
And I speak on this a lot. We hype our daughters up and we get that part right. And we're like, you're beautiful and you're strong. You're the, you know, the prettiest girl in the world. You're all this. But then if you're in the mirror, like, oh, like I got to lose 10 pounds. Like I interviewed Kenya Moore and she was like coming up in like the pageant world. And as a black woman, like I was a little bit curvier and, you know, I always just kind of like leaned into that and I was confident. So I never really like thought about what I said to myself. But she's like the other day I'm getting in the shower and she's like, I just had this routine where I step on the scale and I always step on the scale before I get in the shower. And she's like, I'm in the shower and I look over and my daughter's like on the scale, looking down at the numbers. She was like, Oh no, we are not. Mm. And she's like, she's three years old. She doesn't even know what she's looking at, but she's watching you. You are modeling what a woman should be, what is important. And if you're on the scale every day or talking shit to yourself in the mirror, it doesn't matter how much you're hyping your daughter up. She is watching you. So it's how you talk to yourself. And if you feel weird hyping yourself up or talking to yourself like that, think of what your daughter is seeing. And if you wouldn't say it to your daughter, don't say it to yourself because she is watching you. And that is so important. Like, and if you can't do it for yourself, do it for her and what she's watching. And that just makes me think back, like you are showing like, it's like, why not me? Like you're doing it. You're doing what you're doing. I have this whole vision for my brand and my foundation. I'm not like scared to speak out exactly what I want it to be where I doubt myself is investing in myself financially. Mm. And it's like, as soon as I have to like, like right now I am doing every single thing for my show, like, because I will not delegate or I will not hire because I'm like, Oh no, like spending money or it's like, why why not? I don't know. I, that's why I need you. Like I investing (laughs) in myself financially feels I like have to save it. Like okay, to- well, let's say let's say I had a great referral for you for somebody who could do whatever it is that you need that would take a bunch of time off your plate and it was going to cost a thousand dollars a month. Would you spend that money? It hurts my son. Like, I'm like, my initial reaction was like a thousand dollars a month. Yes, I, I know that I should. Being an entrepreneur and finally making money because I wasn't for so long and just hustling. Now I feel like I can't spend it. And I understand like I'm never going to grow or scale or level up unless I spend the money to do so because freeing myself up to actually create and do the things that I need to do would benefit me, but I am editing and I am like mm. doing ad. Well, here's shit. my question. Why <laughs> can't you spend it? Like, what's the, what's the thought? I'll, it'll mind? go away. Like I won't have it anymore. Like I'm being so... Like, okay. So let's, let's, let's assume that that happens. Let's assume that you lose all your money because you delegated and hired someone to help you. Yeah, then, guess, then what? what would I you guess do? I just start over. Like, it's not, I don't owe money. So I'm, I, I've got that going. I love how I learned this from you too. It's like, you looked at broke as like 10,000 in the bank. If you hit, t- if you go under 10,000, then you're broke. Nobody lives that way. Like everybody's like, five dollars, I'm broke. You change, like, <laughs> you change the threshold to like, make it that you're, you high, it's a higher threshold. I need to look at it. Like I have the money. So why am I acting like, I don't know. I don't want to lose. It's like, I built something that is now making money and I have to save it. And I like, you have to spend money to make money. Like I need that. And it's investing in myself. I believe in myself, but why can't I financially invest in myself? Like, I'm afraid I'm going to lose it, but I guess you're, yeah. If I lose, I start over like, so what? You just, yeah, you just have to do the same thought experiment that the work that you've done around your, your loving yourself, right? Yes. And like, and your body image and all that. It's similar work around money, right? And worthiness when it comes to, I am worth spending money. I am worth saving time, right? I am worth having help, 
right? It's, it's, it comes back to those issues of worthiness because I think we're just like, but I can do it. So why do you have to do it? That's what it is. Why do we always have to dump every single thing on our heads and be like, oh, well, one more thing. Sure. Dump it on. Right. Like there's no consequence. Exactly. It's validation. Look at all I do. Like I did all of this. I built it myself. I was like, oh, well you had help. That's what I do. And I, even in my marriage, but see, that's, that's a worthiness thing too. Right. (laughs) Because it's like, oh, because I did all these things, I'm I'm worthy. worthy. Totally. Yes. And it's like, I said, even in like my marriage, I'll be like, not asking for help. So I'd be like, oh, I got it. It's fine. So I could go to bed being like, I killed it at work. I did all the stuff at home to have this validation that I am worthy as a woman. I validate myself by all the things that I do. Mm -hmm. And if I delegate, then I didn't do it. And then it's like, well, who even are you? Because everyone helps you out. You have you have a, somebody cooking the meals or you have somebody watching your kids so you can work. I have that. And I, I'm self-aware enough well, to know that I have it. Think about that, right? Like, who even are you? Let's find out. That sounds like an interesting question. <laughs> who could you become? Are you a coach right? or something? This is- <laughs> what could be possible, right? Like, that's... Let, yeah. Let's discover who you are. And I think it's worth doing that process of saying like, okay, this decision of delegating, right? Like, okay, I want to delegate this specific thing. Mm-hmm. How will it benefit me? What will be possible if I delegate, right? And yeah. going through and listing out, like, what will I be able to do? What will I have the time for? Um, how will I feel every day, right? What will it afford me? And then having a list of like, okay, what could go wrong? Let's look at that too. And I think if you look at it practically, you're going to see what's more likely to happen is all of the good things. Um, and there's so many more good things that will happen than bad things, right? Like, let's say the person doesn't work out or they're not as good as they said they were. Cool. Yeah. You spent one month's worth of a thousand dollars to learn. Okay. Now I know what I'm looking for. Now the next person I'm going to look for more experience or I'm going to look for these characteristics because that's, what's going to be successful. Great. Now I've learned something. So like, to me, every time yeah. you make that investment in yourself, you're either going to learn something valuable yeah. that's going to help you going forward, or it's go- or you're going to have success and you're going to win. Right. Yes. One or the other you is going lose. to happen. Yeah. Yes. You learn There's or no you losing. <laughs> that is such a great way to look at it. when you were talking that my answer is now that I have money on something that I have built, like that was, not, I have a lot of pride in like squats and margaritas was not, it didn't exist. Like I built something and I have this yes. money and now I don't have to, I know that it's our money and, but I don't have to run anything by my husband. And it's like, if I lose Mm -hmm. this money, I don't want to have to be like, do you think I love that I can buy something that I want to buy, or I can hire someone. I don't want to lose it. Yes. Autonomy. I don't want to lose that and have to be like, and I know that it's our money, but I am, I have pride in what I have built and I don't have to have a conversation. So I don't want that to, I don't want to lose it, but you talk about this too. It's like broke ass decisions. You're trying to save money in the in the short term, but you're like screwing yourself over in the long term. Like talk about making million dollar decisions. More squats and margaritas in a moment. Now this. Guys, we're moms. We're not out on the town every night anymore. We're chasing our toddlers through our kitchen. But there are those times where you want just that little extra something. Maybe it's a girl's night, a wedding, a date night, a work event. If you're looking for that little extra confidence boost, you need Rejuvalift. Rejuvalift delivers dramatic results to minimize the look of lines, wrinkles, crow's feet, those 11 lines that I have between my eyebrows. I use it on the bags under my eyes. Guys, it works in four minutes and delivers results up to seven hours. I've tried it. I'm obsessed. 
And now Squats and Margaritas listeners can get 20% off at rejuvaliftbeauty.com using code margaritas. That's R-E-J-U-V-A liftbeauty.com and use promo code margaritas. You need this in your life. Shipping is free. You get 20% off. Go to rejuvaliftbeauty.com. Now back to squats and margaritas. Million dollar decisions create abundance in your life, right? They open up opportunity, right? They allow you to step into your next level. They don't make you feel like you're shrinking, right? They make you feel like you're expanding and you're opening up. And this is what men are literally trained to do in our society. And women are trained to make broke ass decisions. Cut coupons. Oh, do you really have to buy that (laughs) lipstick? Oh, how much did that thing cost? Make sure you look beautiful, but spend zero money on beauty, right? Like so much bullshit messages to women around spending money. And it's like, no matter what the message is, you lose. If you do this, you lose. And if you do that, you lose. So every scenario you lose, right? So we have to just say, screw all of that. And, and choose ourselves and choose our dreams. Because I think we don't believe in our own creativity. We don't believe in the opportunities that are available to us. And we cut it all off and we're like, oh, it's not possible. I think we have to train ourselves to listen to our desires and then follow them, act on them. That's what a million dollar decision is. Even if it doesn't work out, a million dollar decision doesn't mean it's absolutely going to work out, right? It just means you believe enough in yourself to try, to yeah. find out. And like I said, there's no losing because you learn some. If it's a failure, if it doesn't work out, you've learned something that you can take with you into the next thing, right? Like I had a real estate deal I was doing last year. I lost a ton of money on it and it was painful, but I'm proud of myself that I was willing to bet on myself and try. And I've also learned some really valuable things. And now I'm taking that into my next opportunities, right? I'm not going to let it. And trust me, I had, you know, last year when I was going through that, I had, those negative thoughts coming back into my head. You're so stupid. This was a uh, dumb idea. You shouldn't have followed through. Like I started and I could hear myself doing it. And I started to recognize the pattern. And I was like, we can't do this, girl. We ain't doing yes. this. <laughs> I love that. It. You know, I had to talk to myself and be like, this is going nowhere good because it truly can lead to depression and all kinds of things. Like when we allow ourselves to, you know, put ourselves in a hole with how we're talking to ourselves, even when shit doesn't go, we are allowed to make mistakes. We don't <laughs> right. have to be perfect. We can right. try things and it can fail. And we're still worth trying more things, right? Like, yes. so we don't have to show up and be perfect. Everybody makes mistakes. Everybody tries things and it doesn't work out, right? Fortune 500 companies are trying things and having failed launches and they still exist, right? So we can certainly do the same. We have a right to do that. I think we have this thing about being perfect and never making mistakes and never failing publicly. Fail publicly. When I fail, I'm like, hey, y'all, I checked that up. That did not work out. Let me tell you the story so that you can learn from it. And here's what I'm going to do next. You know what I mean? Yes. So I think we just have to make peace with it and see it as a part of the journey and not make it like if it's not perfect, it's all going to shit. Right. Then we're back. It's a shit show. Yeah, it wasn't (laughs) perfect. Like I want. Yes, that's how I live. You're making me think too. so many things like believing in yourself, having that like not even just like hype squad of people, you know, people that have seen something in you and believe in you. So it's not even just coming internally like uh, this show. I was going live during the pandemic, literally just like, what the hell am I supposed to do with a two and a four year old when there's no school and there's no playgrounds and can't go to the library, can't do anything. 
And I was just like raging out about that. And people would come live with me and be like uh, scavenger hunt, have them find a squirrel, yes. have them find a stop sign. I'm like, yes. So I made a talk show with no other like agenda, just being my authentic self. And there's power in that because it wasn't an audition. I was doing this for like, I don't know, say I'm doing it six weeks during COVID and a program director in Washington, DC was watching me every week, called me and gave me a show. And it just takes wow. one person to see you and believe in you. And I go back to that too. Like with the show, I was like, no, she saw something in me. Pinky, when we did American Sesh, let's just say I did not look the part and we're, uh, we're walking it. I first was like, I didn't think I even got it. You know, the whole thing she does with the sesh, she sends you a yes. couch. I yes. went to my husband. I was like, I'm, I have goosebumps now. I was like, I got a couch. And I was like, this isn't right. Like I doubt immediately. I was like, this isn't right. Like ludicrous. All these people are here. She didn't send one to me like self-doubt. So I, I'm in and I assume everyone in the room is in because they look the part. I mean, and there are ra literally ludicrous, like rappers <laughs> and they all look the part. And I'm a 41 year old white mom of two. And I'm just like, okay, pinky sees something. I'm in the room. We're talking. I'm sure everybody's like, what are you, are you lost? Like, what are you doing? And <laughs> I, in my head, I'm like, no, I belong here. I belong here. Rachel, they walk in and they're like, we're miking talent. So we need Aaron. And I'm like, I stand up and I'm like, what are you? And they're like, are you on it? And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, we're spectators. We flew in to be in the room. And, and I was like, oh, like her believing in me and seeing me and putting me on it. These people weren't even, I'm just assuming like, okay, we're all here. And I'm like, we, and they all looked at her like, damn, you're, you're on it. And I thought everybody else was, cause I just assumed, cause I didn't look the part. If some, it, you have to go back to like, somebody sees something in you. And if you can't hype yourself up, like pinky seeing me and the relationship that I have with her now, because she saw something in me, that radio station program director, go back to that. And like, if you can't yes. invest in yourself, like there are times in your life where people have seen something in you and invested yes. something in you. So I will go back to that sometimes. I think that's so good to like review your wins, right? Because yes. when you're trying to do something that's really hard or you feel like it's going to be challenging or you feel like you're not good enough, you can go back and say, well, I've done hard things before. Yes. What, what have I done? Right. I went to law school. That was really hard. And I got through that. Um, I went, to, I did this or I did that, right? Like go back and look at previous wins and previous yes. things that felt hard and like you couldn't do it and you did it. Right. Yes. And so then it's like, oh, so I've done hard things before. I've done challenging things before. I can do this, too. Yes. You know, look, at your um, wins. I think I think that helps. And I think that's why community is helpful, too, because the good thing about having a squad is they're going to remind you of those wins yes. and they're going to hype you up and be like, yes. what do you mean? Of course you can do that. Stop saying that. Right. Yes. And they'll come with all their evidence and receipts of all the things that you've done in the past. And you do the same for them. And it's a beautiful thing, you know, yes. and it's it's how we keep ourselves going when it gets hard. It's not that we don't have fear or we we don't get discouraged. It's that we have people around us to support us and encourage us when we're in those places. Yes. And I think that helps you to keep going and to not have these periods. And even if you have a fail, feel your feelings, lick your wounds for a little while, and then get your ass back up and go do the things that you know you want to do, right? And don't don't quit on yourself. Yeah. And just like being vulnerable and authentic, like you are like, well, that didn't work out. Like own it like that, that failed. And just say like, <laughs> that's where people like gravitate to you. Cause they're, you're just real. And it's not like, well, like I'm not gonna tell anybody that didn't work. Like say it like, that's how you build yeah. community. Cause people see themselves in you. And that's what you have built. I feel like I should touch on if somebody's the opposite of me, once you become not even a millionaire, once you have money, you feel like you have to flex and you have to like show what you have and you have to like buy the things. Mm -hmm. How do you train people to earn money and not spend the money? 
Yes. Well, there's a couple of things there. On on one end, I'm not the type of person, I'm not the personal finance guru who's going to tell you never to spend your money because I feel like we deserve to spend our money. We deserve to have nice things. We deserve to see our desires met. Um, and I don't think that there's anything wrong with that. So I'm not the person to be like, don't buy those shoes or don't buy that house or don't buy that car. Buy it all if that's what you want, right? <laughs> but just be strategic and smart about it, right? Like don't put yourself in a bad position buying things and don't do it to fill a hole, right? Do it because yes. it's fun and it feels good to you and you feel good getting in your car every day. Don't do it because you want somebody else to see you in your car. Do it yes. because it feels good for you to be in. Like, you know what I mean? Like you just enjoy having that nice thing, right? Do it for yourself, right? Not not to flex for people that you don't even like. What the hell is the point of that, you know? <laughs> um, but yes. I, and I think it's, and it's exactly what you said, like making sure that you have a safety net, protecting yourself, right? Financially, I think is very smart and necessary. Um, and I think we have to not shy away from it. So it's kind of, to me, one of the first exercises that I encourage people to do, and this is one of the chapters in my book, chapter six, is called Million Dollar Vision. And it's like, okay, well, what's all the things you want? Well, I want this car and I want this house and I want these kinds of clothes and I want to hire a personal trainer to work out with me. And I want whatever else, right? Um, I want to go on trips or I want these things for my children, right? Okay, great. How much does all, all that cost? Like figure mm -hmm. out what is the monthly cost for each of one of those expenses, right? All right. And how much are you earning right now? And then identify the gap and then start brainstorming. What can I do to close that gap? I don't believe in like, oh, like, and part of that list should be savings that you want, investments that you want to be able to make. Um, all of that is included. Did I've been doing this exercise on myself for years, <laughs> right? When I lived in my tiny little house and I wanted a nice house, but I couldn't afford it. And I, and I wanted to send my kids to extracurricular activities, couldn't afford it. Um, so many things. And it's like yesterday, I just signed up all three kids for all of these after school activities. And when I saw the price tag, I was like, geez, it was like three grand for mm -hmm. like, just for this semester for three children for all their different activities. And I was like, I paid for that, like not even thinking about it. And I yeah. remember when yes. I would be like, oh, I can't do that. Right. Like or like only one child can do it or no one can yeah. do it. Right. Like and it just becomes easier. But you just make that list and you start thinking about and brainstorming opportunities. Right. This is why I say we all have to be entrepreneurial. What what options do we have to generate extra capital that can cover these costs? Right. And slowly but surely you'll get there. Right. Like I was in a place where I was making I was making one hundred thousand dollars a year and I needed three hundred thousand dollars a year for the lifestyle that I wanted. And that sounded so incredibly far away and so impossible, but I created the list anyway. And I yeah. started working that list and I came up with different ideas and I tried different things. And literally within maybe a year, year and a half, I was making $300,000 and having the lifestyle that I wanted. Yeah. And then I created a new list, right? Yeah. <laughs> and then I worked that list, right? And yeah. that's that's been the whole journey. So that million dollar vision exercise, I think it's very valuable and I think, you know, having savings, ha making investments and buying the things that you want, it's all possible. It's just about being strategic, deciding that that's what you want, admitting it to yourself and yes. then creating a plan to go get it. And then working the plan and showing up even when you don't feel like it to yes. work that plan. Right. That's how you get what you want. What a beautiful example of like what wealth brings you. It's not like the things you can buy, like extracurricular activities you like didn't even think about it. you can you have the peace and the assurance like of course i can send my kids now it's that kind of peace of mind yes. that you can do it it's not like what you bought it's just having the i can do this for my kids that kind of yes. comfortable situation that you've created like that's what wealth is yes 
them saying like, I want to do fencing and I want to do judo and I want to play guitar. And it's like, I, in the past, I would have had to be like, well, you could do one of those things. Right. And now I can say, sure. You want to do all, you sure you want to do all that? <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'll sign you up, but then you, I'm going to make you go. So yes. make sure I do not let you quit. Once right. I spent my money, you go show up and go do it. <laughs> You're doing um, <laughs> fencing. You will fence every day. <laughs> yes. You yes. will learn about commitment. Um, <laughs> so, but yes, things like that, being able to take care of my mom and like cover yeah. her expenses, uh, buy my mother-in-law house, right? Like just God. things like that, having investments so that we have a nice safety net, you know, and, and it's not like I never buy nice things for myself, but it's so funny. I think it's a, it's such an interesting tra trajectory. I think when you grow up not having a lot of money and you start making money, then you're like, oh, I'm going to buy all the things I never could buy. I want the car. I want the house. I want the clothes. I want the this. And you do that for a while, the trips, the travel, all of it. And I did that for a while. Mm -hmm. And then I just woke up one day and I was like, I kind of don't care about this stuff anymore. <laughs> I kind of don't care about clothes that much. Like I kind of don't even want to go on that many trips. Right. Like I yeah. love where I live. I love my routine. I love being here every day with my kids. I don't want to travel that much. I enjoy travel, but I don't travel as often anymore. Cause I just don't, I've done it. Right. Like yes. I'm kind of, so it's just, it's so interesting. It's like you, you have to sort of, I almost think you got to get it out of your system yeah. and have that experience. <laughs> and then you realize like, I actually don't even want those things anymore. And so then you're accumulating wealth because you don't have anything you want to buy. Yeah, You're just satisfied. I think that's what I want everyone to feel is satisfaction and wellness and peace. And I think there's a certain amount of money that can provide that. And that dollar amount might be different for different people, depending on who their dependents are, what their mm -hmm. situation is. But I think there's a certain point that you get to that you're like, I'm good. Right. And then it gets exciting because then if you are accumulating wealth, then you can be like, well, I want to this, you know, I've heard about this person who's building a school in this low income neighborhood. I want to help. I'm going to get yes. involved. I'm going to write a check yes. and I have time to volunteer. Right. Like then you get to like do really amazing things, you know? Yes. So that's exciting. It's like what was driving you to get it may have been something and that's good because it drove you to get it, but that's not even what's important anymore. It's now yes. that allowed you to get it and acquire wealth, but now like what you can do with it is not even something that you assumed you would want to do with it. Yes. Okay. And you know, the the dopest part of that is this, when you, the the process of acquiring wealth, right? learning how to build a business or just learning how to make that, learning how to invest, learning whatever the skills are that allow you to accumulate wealth. Once you have that skill set, mm -hmm. you have that skill set that can be applied to so many different problems in the world. Like you yeah. know how to solve complex problems, right? You know how to, you understand how money works, right? You understand how business works. You've, maybe you figured out real estate, like you figured something out that you can now apply that skill and that um, expertise and experience to a social problem that we have, yes. right? And it's so that's thing. amazing. Yeah. yeah. So like you can apply your skills to it and you can write checks uh, for things that matter to you. So I think that's amazing. And I want to see more people of color and more queer people and people just disabled people, like people who have experienced all of the challenges in the world, right? Having more money, because then we're going to see more money flowing to the causes that are most important. Yes. And I think that's the only way to actually work towards equality in the society we live in today. I think that's the practical reality. Do we hope like, you know, um, lawmakers would want to make change? We do. And I think some of them do. But unfortunately, the majority don't or, or the people that do, they don't have enough power yet. Right. 
but like checks also put politicians in office, right? So if we have the ability to write checks for people who actually represent causes that we care about, right? And represent, you know, the equality that we want to see in the world. That's the stuff that can make change. So to me, I'm like, let's get this money first. Yeah. And then once we have the money, enjoy your life. But then also know now we have, because that's that trajectory is going to happen. At a certain point, you're going to have enough what one hopes um, if you're working on yourself and doing personal development, I don't, I think you do get to a point where you're just not needing to throw money around all the time or not needing the next new car. It's like, you've been there, done that. It's yes. not that exciting anymore. Right. And so now you get to do more important things. Right. And that's, that's really the ultimate goal. And that is, that's, that's my personal agenda it may not be everybody's, but that's my agenda, right? That's why I want to teach people how to get money so that they can have peace for themselves and that they, so that they can contribute at a higher level because they have the capital to do it. More squats and margaritas in a moment. Now this, now back to squats and margaritas. Squats and margaritas is about balancing all the things. You're a speaker, you're a boss, you host a podcast, you have books, and you have four kids. <laughs> How in the hell do you balance all the things? Like I feel guilt when I'm not with my kids and you built this brand. How do you find that balance being a mompreneur? Yeah, I delegate like <laughs> damn it. <laughs> that I is won't. the key. <laughs> okay. So I have I have help at home. I have help like I have, you know, 25 employees in my business, all full-time employees, and then we have contractors too. Um, and I just, I just make sure that I have help, you know, and I pay them well. Yeah. Um, and that's the beautiful thing is there's this whole economy that's possible because, because of this dream that I followed, right. I'm employing people who have their dream job and are able to do work that they love. Mm -hmm. Um, and that supports me in this journey as well. So I delegate a ton. Um, as much as humanly possible. In fact, <laughs> I will literally make a list every day to be like, what's something on this list that I can give to somebody else, you know? Wow. And it's gotten to the point where the list has gotten really, really short. Like I don't even have a lot of things on my list anymore. And most weeks I'm working like two full-time days a week. Now I'm always thinking about the business. So it's not, it's not I, like, even yeah. when I'm doing other things, I'm right. thinking about the business. Um, and then I also like on those days off, I'm writing, I'm working on, um, a few books that are going to come out soon. And then, um, you know, just thinking about the future of the business, making plans for the business and things like that on those days off. So thinking time, I think is really important to the future of our company, but I actually don't even work that much anymore, um, Man. because I've built this team. Yeah. So that's, that's what's possible. Um, but yeah, it's all about delegation. And then also just, I think you just have to decide what's important and you can't do everything, right? Like, so there are trips that I miss. There are opportunities that I say no to, even though they'd be amazing because I don't want to miss something related to my family, right? Mm -hmm. Or I'm just too tired. I just came back from another trip. I'm not doing another one, right? Yeah. Um, and I just went on a month long sabbatical. Actually, it was more like six weeks sabbatical this summer where I didn't really work at all for six mm. weeks. So I give myself breaks, Um and I give myself thinking time. So it's actually, I have more balance than I've ever had in my life. I actually now do two workouts a day, which I never had time for before. Um, wow. I just finished leg day. I literally came right off of the leg machine, yes. right into this uh, yes. interview, right? And that's the other thing too. I will tell you another way to fit a lot more stuff in, 
Stop feeling the need to be cute. <laughs> well, I got that down. <laughs> if you release the need to be cute, because yeah. I used to be like, well, I got to put makeup on and I got to no. get dressed and I got to. And now I'm like, look, I'm in my workout clothes and we're going to do this podcast because otherwise it would never happen. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, but you're winning. Like that's this is what tangible advice. Stop worrying about being cute. Stop trying to do all the things and to validate yourself on all the things that you do. I need to delegate. It's just, it's so hard for me, especially at like, I can't be present. It's like you said, you never stop thinking about it. I can't turn it off. Like I'm thinking yes. about an interview or a blog post or like, Ooh, and I I'm with my kids, but I'm not like, admittedly, I'm not there. Like I, it's so hard for me to yes. turn it off because there's too many things and I won't delegate. Cause I know I will micromanage the shit out of whoever I delegate to, because it's like my baby and I've been doing it for so mm. long. I don't, how do I so trust that they're going to do it the right way? <laughs> <laughs> yes. There was a book years ago that liberated me called and it was written by two lawyers, if I remember correctly. And it was called Good Enough is the New Perfect. Ooh. Um, and it was about like the balance of career and motherhood. And um, they talked about like the example that they gave was when a mom goes on a work trip or she's going away with her friends or whatever, she's not going to be at home. And she leaves a long to do list for her mm -hmm. husband and instructions on everything. And I want everything done this way. And she said, throw out the list and let it go. Let go of control because the more that we control, the more that's on our to-do list, right? So by by delegating, I have to release control. Does that mean I lower the quality? No, I can say, here's the standard that I'm looking for you to meet. I got to train them, create systems so that they can do it according to the standard, right? But also let go. And like oh. my kids, they look forward to when I go on a business because they're like, oh, great, we're going to order pizza and Chinese food <laughs> and we're going to watch movies that mommy would let, never let us watch. Right. And who am I to rob them of that opportunity? That's <laughs> their their father gets to have those bonding moments with them, just like I have certain things that I want done in our household that get done. So I think sometimes we want to control too much and that's why we have so much on our plate. But if we're willing to release control and not have it all be perfect, um, we actually will get so much of our time and peace back. And so I think that's a part of the journey too, is just letting go of control. Beautiful. Sadly. Yeah. <laughs> okay, <laughs> fine. Uh, this has been so fabulous. We like hit on so many things. I didn't even know we we're going to get into. If people want more from you, where can they find you? Find me on Instagram, Rach Rogers ESQ. That's a great way to find me. And you can check our, our website, hello7.co. And talk about your podcast. So we have a podcast called the Hello 7 Podcast that you can subscribe to. And I interview other entrepreneurs and do some solo episodes as well. And we have a whole bunch of new episodes coming that I'm very excited about. And if people are looking to like build wealth and they are entrepreneurs, are you still taking like coaching clients or has that already like, are you? Yes. Yes. Yes, <laughs> okay. we are. So I have something called the club and it's Ooh. our coaching community where we teach people business and entrepreneurship. We have a beautiful community um, that if you need a squad of people cheering you on, this could be an amazing squad for you uh, and coaching. So we do live coaching every week as well. And you can find that at hello7.co slash club. Thank you so much for listening to the Squats and Margaritas podcast. If you haven't subscribed, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode. And I'll see you next week for a brand new episode of Squats and Margaritas. Squats and Margaritas.